So he basically just pointed out the obvious, yep. saying men and women are different. Mm-hmm. We can't treat men and women the same because otherwise that's going to be disastrous in our emergency responses, etc. Good morning. This is Jamie Souls. I'm here on the Chinook podcast. I'm here with Brad Donovan and with Nathan... Uh, Nathan, what's your last name? Nathan yeah. Zekvel. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. about called you Nathan Shoemaker. Oh, no. <laughs> we've, we've got more Nathans than we know what to do with around here. Yep. And uh, anyways. Oh, no. even, even more Jeremy's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does this happen in your church? Do you, do you get an overabundance of particular names? It like, happens. Like, we're not all that big of a church, but we've got three ladies named Haven. That's right. And we've got a couple of... We've got three... Jer- yeah, three yeah we've got three Jeremys who yeah. are heads of households. Yeah. So, one yeah, Brad. It's, uh, it's quite something. Anyways, I, I don't know if that happens to you. Yeah, there's, there's only one of me, one Brad. That's it. Okay. Anyways, that's a little <laughs> bit of an aside. Although we had another Brad uh, coming around for a while. He did. He didn't stick around, but that's okay. You know, yep. he, he can come back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Brad out there, you're welcome. Okay. Well, it is our intention... It is our intention today to mm-hmm. uh, to add to our collection of big lies series. Yes. We do not wish to tell you big lies, <laughs> but we wish to talk to you about some of the big lies that go on in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get there today, we want to do some book recommendations. Uh, let me uh, recommend to you, first of all, a book called Things Fall Apart. Chinua Achibi wrote this book. Uh, it's very African in its uh, well, it's African things that are going on, no. where uh, he writes about what happened in a Nigerian tribe when the gospel came in. Oh, very interesting. And what happened to that place, hmm. and how uh, he talks a lot about its its structure. Uh, it's uh, and just what what came to pass. He follows the life of this one character, who's a big man in the tribe, uh, but his power gets undermined and undermined and undermined by the Christian gospel coming in and transforming family members, and, and things like this. Anyways, it's a, it's a fantastic read. Hmm. Chinua Achibi, Things Fall Apart. Excellent. Is the book. Hmm. Do you have... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I have one as well. Oh. Yeah, so I've got a book called Man and Woman in Christ, an examination of the roles of men and women in light of Scripture and the social sciences. Hmm. It is by a guy named Stephen B. Clark and published on Warhorn Media. Um, this is a really good book. Uh, I've not read through the whole thing yet, but, um, I've started working on it. Basically it works through, um, it it spends a lot of time in the different, uh, biblical passages about the roles of men and women. And, uh, yeah, it came heavily, highly recommended to me by my brother and by a couple other people. So excellent. Looking forward to finishing it. And and what's the author's name again? Uh, Stephen B. Clark. Stephen B. Clark. And I have it on Kindle here. High tech. Yeah, high tech. Yeah, I've I've uh, <laughs> I've gone more for analog on this book recommendation. Uh, so I just got this book. 
Um, I don't know if this happens to all of y'alls out there, but when I listen to a podcast, as I am wont to do, and somebody recommends a book, I think to myself, can I find this book on Amazon for less than 20 bucks? <laughs> I couldn't. I found it for 22 But If you get it on Kindle, you can get it for less than 20 generally. Uh, I, I have trouble reading on a screen. I do, I do too. Oh, my, my eyes. But anyway. I, maybe it's age. I don't know. But uh, so I was listening to a podcast, and now this is this this is going to blow your hair back. Okay, did you know that the CIA has at least one podcast? Huh. Yeah, it's the um, International Spy Museum podcast. Oh, nice! And oh. Uh, so I listen to it from time to time because they have interesting guests <laughs> on. And uh, the 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 moderator of the podcast keeps bringing up this one fellow's name again and again and again. His name's David Kilcullen. Okay, he's an Australian. He, uh, I've, I think I may have recommended one of his books before on our podcast, but the one I just picked up recently is called Out of the Mountains. Uh, the subtitle is The Coming Age of the Urban Gorilla. It's a very interesting book. So he, he's going through, um, like, gorilla activity, uh, terrorism, in the context of a city on the coastline. Um, an urban littoral. Uh, most people live within, you know, 20 miles of the sea. Probably right. about 80% of the, po- the planet, I think. Yeah, something like that. So out of our 7 plus billion people, yeah, do the math, like <laughs> 5 to 5.5 billion people live within, you know, 50 or 80 miles of the ocean. Uh, so then you, uh, when, when you're doing um, planning for security, if you're like a, a police department or uh, a country's military planning for your security and defense needs, you have to take that into account. And so he, uh, he wrote this book back in 2013, and he, it includes, a, uh, in Chapter 2, a, a discussion of the 2010 or 2011 Mumbai terror attack where a bunch of Pakistani dudes, uh, basically they took, a, it was 10 guys, they took a boat from uh, Pakistan to Mumbai. They pretended to be like drug smugglers, they snuck into the uh, the <laughs> port, and ev- everybody was so like... You can sneak into the port by pretending to be a drug smuggler. Yeah, and that, that, that's something he points out. <laughs> he, he points out that because you've got, uh, especially in, in these places like Mumbai where it's like urban explosion, right? Right, like the city's growing like mad. Yeah, there, there's millions upon millions of people yeah. in that city. Yeah, and, and it's... Upwards of 20. Yeah, it's it's a huge city and continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got crime, you've got legitimate business and legitimate business and crime. It's not like we sometimes perceive you've got a white market and a black market and they, they never meet. The black market and the white market, they use the same infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? The same roads, the same telephones, the same waterways. They use the same people. They use the same time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes. You know, I might show up and have a legitimate business sale to you, Jamie, right? right? And two minutes later, I turn around to Nathan, and I'm selling him something illegitimate, mm-hmm. right? So the black market and the above-board market are functioning simultaneously throughout. So when you got drug dealers that just, you know, float their ships in mm-hmm. or their boats in the port, none of the locals pay any attention to a bunch of dudes showing up with weapons. Right. And then these guys go on a three-day rampage, and they kill, like, 170 people. Mm. Uh, their command and control was located back in Pakistan. So in Pakistan, they were watching Indian Twitter and Indian Facebook 
to judge police response times to these various explosions and gunfights. Okay. So, and then they were planting uh, deception charges. So they had a taxi that they stuffed a bomb in, and they got out of the taxi, and it just went off wherever it went off. Mm. Right? So then now that distracts police response. So these guys are moving right. um, in this, this orchestra of terror. And he's, he's looking at, at that as a secu- from a security concern perspective. Right. But he's also, throughout parts of the rest of the book, he's looking at why are these organizations legitimized? These terror groups, right? Right. So why, why is the Taliban able to run Afghanistan or parts of it? Well, because they're doing more than just shooting people. They're also providing justice. They're providing conflict resolution. They're providing, you know, schools, right. hospitals of, of a sort. Maybe we wouldn't look at that and think that's very good right? because of what we're accustomed to. But he points out, and he, he also goes through um, areas with drug gangs, and they're doing the same thing hmm. in a littoral, urban littoral context. So it's a very interesting book, very insightful. And there's, there's, there's meat in there for a Christian because one of the things that he does point out is that uh, the social programs, the social activity of these groups is one of the biggest drivers of their legitimacy. Hmm. And I don't think he quite understood that that could also be applied to the church. Okay. So I'm just going to put that, that out there. Okay. What's the name of that book again? The, the name of the book is Out of the Mountains. Out the, of the Mountains. Out of the Mountains. Yeah, The Coming Age of the Urban Gorilla. Urban gorilla, like the gorillas have moved out of the jungle and into the cities. Well, th- these ones came out of the mountains. So, because yeah, when he wrote this, we were still knee deep in Afghanistan. So, ah, yes, yeah, huh. it's a very interesting and thought provoking book. And I was the whole time he was talking about um, uh, a legitimate, uh, um, yeah, a terror group being legitimized in a local context because of its social programs. He also was speaking of uh, alternate authority structures, right. Because he's 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 a twenty first century man. He's thinking in terms of the city, uh, the city, the state, the country. Right. Right. So he's thinking in those political and organizational terms. But these other groups are able to freely move underneath that, mm-hmm. uh, exercising legitimate authority. Right. Because people, yeah, when they command, people obey. Yeah. But they're also dispensing uh, welfare. Right. And taking care of actual needs. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, check it out. Check it out. See what you think. All right. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for that. Um, Nathan, are you going to introduce our uh, topic for today? Yeah. So today we're talking about egalitarianism. 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 Eight syllables. Oh. Eight syllables. This might be our biggest Egalitarianism. one Egalitarianism. <laughs> Wait till we start talking about complementarianism and uh, patriarchy. Oh, patriarch, patriarchy. That's only four syllables. It should just all be patriarchs. It's like it's more basic. <laughs> it is more basic. <laughs> a complementarian, that's just a mouthful. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Uh, so egalitarianism is the flattening or the leveling of all the spheres of society. Mm-hmm. It is the desire of mankind for all men to be equal whether that is authority in the state, mm-hmm. whether that is the role of men and women, uh, especially it's especially been foisted upon Americans by feminists 
or mm. I, I forget which wave of feminism, but, uh, but especially a couple of the waves of feminism have tried to equalize men and women, saying that men and women can do the same things. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's a, a fruit or an aspect of egalitarianism. Right. And so, yeah, in this, in this uh, podcast episode, we're going to talk about egalitarianism, a biblical response. Uh, we might discuss a few articles that we've been looking at. Um, mm. Yeah. So anyway, mm. have at it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Rip, tear, and pull hair. All right. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, I, I have a, a very low view of egalitarianism. <laughs> the, the leveling, the leveling effect. Yes, uh, and the thing is, is that egalitarianism—they're uh, not—they're not arguing that we should all have like an equal uh, access to justice or a starting point economically. They're arguing for a leveling of the effect. Yeah. Right. So yeah, equality of outcome. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that that I think is helpful to, to keep in mind. That is a helpful distinction right. because you can have a society with authority structures and still equal justice for everyone. Yeah. So, for example, the king in Israel, Solomon, being a just king, yeah. he was obviously a monarch and in some ways almost a little tyrannical, mm -hmm. but within his court system, yeah. everybody had equal access to justice. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, is he was no less a king for having provided that justice because yeah. egalitarianism would like to wipe out that natural distinction. Yeah. Like if, if, if you f suppose for a minute that you, um, like, if, if I, I find it really just ridiculous to think to, that I am somehow the equal of a man, like, um, oh, who, who's, who's some brilliant polymath in the modern world? <laughs> like, um, like a, the, who's the guy that runs SpaceX and Tesla? Uh, Musk. Oh, oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. There you go. I can't even pretend to be that man's equal. He's got way more money. He's got way more rocket ships. Right. And his cars do light on fire. Right? This is a problem. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm not his equal. Right. But, but it, <laughs> that depends on where you are and in yep. what situation you're in. If he True. was a member of our church and you were a member of our church, you yeah. would be. Yes. Now, there would be a certain equal... Uh, equal thing there. Right. And being an elder is an office yeah. that he wouldn't have coming in. Right. Let's say as a new convert. You would both have equal ac access to God's grace. To That's the Lord's true. Table. Yes. Yep. Uh, but that's still different than being equal, equal. socially. Yes. Yeah. And, and certainly in terms of like production. Yeah. Right. My, my material production, uh, nobody, like the only people that are eating because of my work are my family. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, there are thousands of families eating because of his work. Yeah. Right. All of his employees, subcontractors, and the, you know the chattering classes that make their money. You know, attacking him on Twitter. Right. So <laughs> he's paying for all of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So so it's interesting. Like uh, Paul dealing mm -hmm. with the problem of um, social tensions in Corinth in First Corinthians eleven. Right. Um, he he resolves that problem by saying both the the poor and the rich should be have equal access to the Lord's table. Yep. I think that's a way of saying it. Yeah. But he doesn't deal with the problem by saying, okay, we're going to wipe out all social differences. How mm. about the rich give like uh, half their money and then we'll, we'll redistribute it among the poor, poor people in the church. That's not his way of resolving right. the problems. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, he does. Uh, there's also uh, James where he talks about the rich that, uh, right. that rob you yes. <laughs> and take you to court. Uh, there, there's certainly, um, yeah, the, the, uh, equality 
in in the egalitarian sense mm-hmm. makes no sense of the world around us. So what they're arguing for is a utopia, right? Yeah. A way so, that things should be. Yeah. Okay. Where uh, where do we see uh, substantial manifestations of egalitarianism in mm. uh, in our land, in our church, in the church? Right. Where, where do we see these? Well, one, yeah. of, one of the places that I, I really enjoy uh, talking about whenever I get a chance is um, the um, ministers that won't preach sermons because the women in their church would become offended with them. Mm-hmm. How well, that's the opposite of egalitarianism. Well, no, you can't. You, there's, there's a certain leveling there. You can't talk about the sins of women yeah. in most churches. Mm. You just yeah. can't. <laughs> Try it. You'll lose your job. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, do you, do, you th- do you think that's an? Is he succumbing to egalitarianism? That pastor potentially by by doing that potentially. I, I think so. Well, the thing is, you you really when you're shepherding the flock, it's not like it's Christ's flock you're shepherding. Right. You're supposed to be uh, bringing God's word to God's people, so that's dealing with all sin with an equal hand. Okay. Right. But we don't talk about the sins of women in our culture. Yeah. We just won't. Right. We refuse. Yeah. It's, uh, if you want to be labeled a sexist yeah. or, uh, mm-hmm. or right. misogynist, it, yeah. just or, do that. Or even at a more basic level, if, um, if you're in a situation where your church fight, let's say, is being perpetuated by the women of the church... <laughs> right, like the men get along, which happens often. It does. The men, the men are getting along and disagreeing robustly until their wife pokes them in the ribs. Hey, you need to be more mad about this. You need to actually hit that guy. Yeah, my my, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> you know, so and so said something. My feelings are hurt. You know, and then like I've I've seen this. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, but um, Joe Rigney actually had something about. Uh, I was watching an interview on a part of an interview with him on a, uh, on a some other podcast where he talked about uh, the anti-egalitarian fight. Okay. Right. Like he's and he was saying that men in the church are outsourcing that fight to other women, and it's falling apart, <laughs> which I find very interesting because he mentioned Rosaria Butterfield. Okay. He's like most men when dealing with women in their church, or most uh, elders or pastors when dealing with the sins of women in their church. Are like here's a book by Rosaria, which might be a perfectly fine book. She, yes. write, she writes good books and has she good does. things to, to say, mm-hmm. um, or invite her for a conference or something, right? Right, or someone like her. But um, instead of just saying, "Here's the word," you need to stop. Mm-hmm. You need to stop. You know, backbiting or whatever, right. talking sharp, whatever, whatever the thing is. It, he had a very interesting uh, discussion on that. It was, it was very interesting. It reminded me of Deborah and Barrick. Okay, right. So. Barrick's supposed to be the judge in that story. Mm. That's how I read yeah, that. Right. And uh, Deborah's the prophetess. Mm-hmm. And he goes to her and he's like, mm, You lead the people into battle. Yeah. You, you, do, you do this. And she's like, mm, so, Son. So, <laughs> so you're saying Barrick was an egalitarian? Well, I think he was afraid. And, that, and as a result of that, he functionally was acting yeah. like one. Okay. But, uh, I think I think it would be helpful just mm-hmm. now if we were to step back a little bit and mm-hmm. to and to ask why 
why would we put this as a big lie? As a big lie. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do we think that the idea of leveling things out? Why is that a big lie? Can I start off by telling a story? Oh, go ahead. Oh, please do. Okay, so I saw a news report from uh, Atlanta, Canada, specifically Prince Edward Island recently. Apparently, there was an MLA in the uh, progressive conservative government in Prince Edward Island. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure he's either a firefighter or a medic. Right. But anyway, he was called into a situation where he had to help out with uh, an obese man, 300 pounds, right. and help move him into a... Uh, like an ambulance. Move him into yeah. an ambulance, yeah. So he made the comment, uh, he made the comment in Parliament in, in Prince Edward Island, uh, basically saying, uh, we, we've got all these policies that are encouraging more women mm-hmm. to uh, take up jobs like medic and firefighter and stuff like that. But he said, I came to this site and there was two little women there yep. who were 100 pounds each and, couldn't, couldn't. and they couldn't lift them. So that's why they had to call me in. Yeah. And so he basically just pointed out the obvious yep. saying men and women are different. Mm-hmm. We can't treat men and women the same because otherwise that's going to be disastrous in our emergency responses, et right. cetera. Right. Yeah. And basically, there was a huge flurry of controversy. He got kicked off uh, yeah. Benny King's cabinet. He uh, he, he maintained his seat. He had to apologize. Had he actually did apologize. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why have. a man would apologize. For I would that. not have apologized <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, a lot of people were hurt, and it's and it's like, but you're making the man's point. The, yes. his point is so clear. Yes. Well, I, he that man was pointing to something in nature. Yeah. In, in God's book of nature, this is the way God yes. made things. And yes. that is where we have to go. And Hollywood is just not where we ought to go. Because right. I, you, you can watch show after show after show after show after show yes. wherein this 110-pound girl yeah, this uh, can take out a 250-pound muscle man yeah. with a punch. Well, I'll, And, and, and right. I've, I've talked to a jiu-jitsu instructor, <laughs> and he said that is absolutely not possible. Yeah. Well, I, I, to give you an example, I weigh, 200, I weigh 215 pounds, right? And I am barely trained, mm-hmm. right, when it comes to grappling. If a 150-pound if man who's not trained walks into the gym, I'm going to ragdoll that poor guy. <laughs> like, it's just that simple. I outweigh him by, you know, 15, 45, 65. 65 pounds, and plus a very, very small amount of training. Mm-hmm. Like, the term ragdoll is exactly what I'm going to do to the guy. And, and I outweigh you by 35 pounds, and yeah. you beat me as well. So Yeah. Well, but you <laughs> go to the I gym. I don't have the skill. You go to the gym more, <laughs> and then uh, one, one, of the, one of the fellows in our church, he also occasionally does some jujitsu, and uh, he outweighs me by another 100 pounds. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he's, he's suffocation. Suffocation City. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm about to meet Jesus when he chokes on me. So, the, uh, so yeah. So creation you, matters. So even among men, yeah. not everybody <laughs> is, equal. is equal. Yeah. Like, and we don't all have equal uh, intellectual gifts. We don't all have... Um, equal status in society. Status, yeah. We don't... Authority in society. Yeah, e- equal physical, you know, muscle mass. Like, okay. we just... it That equality doesn't exist in creation. That's something that, okay. like, Plato and Aristotle very frankly point out when yep. they're just commenting on people's appearance. Yep. So. In creation, yes, you said in creation. That, that does not show up in creation. Let's let's talk about uh, why 
you know, we, we don't use creation as our, as our cornerstone, as our, uh, mm-hmm. our foundational book on how we view life. Why, from, from whence does this come? Does this come? Let, let's talk about that. Atheism, another big lie. So the, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is... Well, let's talk about theism first. Yeah. Well, how, how about uh, uh, we, we start with a premise of God's supremacy. Right. Right? That's not egalitarian. No, that's not egalitarian. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's where we have to start, Yes. Uh, oh, Christian. Mm-hmm. We start with the, with the scriptures. In the beginning, God created, created yep. the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. It's all his. It's all under his authority. Yep. And, and actual power. And right. actual power. Yep. Okay, so uh, if, if egalitarianism seeks to level... Mm-hmm things so that authorities are not authorities, mm-hmm. if it seeks to make everything equal, what is that, what is that fighting against it, that, that yeah. is in, in, God's, in God's eyes? What, why is that a big lie? Well, I think it's actually a fight. It's, uh, it's an attempt to fight against God himself. Okay. Because he, as, as we just pointed out, creation... Just the very fact of creation implies hierarchy because he did that. I didn't. I'm his creature. Okay. He's the creator. And we see in the scripture that he explicitly says, who made who here? He does this in Job, right? Yes. Who, <laughs> the biggest uh, put up and shut up speech recorded right. was, was God saying, well, Job, who made what? Where were you when I did that and this and that? And Job's right. like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so yeah. we're, when, we, when we're attempting to flatten authority or level authority, we're attempting to undo or act against God. Okay. I uh, think it's rebellion. All right. Uh, so so let's, let's use then now as a given mm-hmm. that God has authority mm-hmm. over all things. Let's, let, let's use that now as a given. Uh, he delegates that authority in the scripture to different people for different reasons, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, where where are some of those? Where do, where does God delegate authority? Like what? We egalitarianism particularly attacks. S- different types of authority. It attacks right. like the authority of a father to do what a father does. It attacks right. the authority of the state to do what the state does. It attacks the authority of the church to do what the church does. Mm-hmm. Or you as a man, it attacks that authority as a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how, uh, well, let, let's talk first about, uh, about lines of authority. Mm-hmm. What is, what is God, what authorities has God dispensed to men? Well, with, uh, with fathers in the family, uh, Deuteronomy 6 is a good place to go because it's we're talking about the education of children. Okay. Right? So that yeah. is a thing that is in the sphere of a, a father's authority. Okay. And, and Ephesians 6 would repeat that yep. when it says, fathers, discipline your children. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we've got that. Okay. Now, when, we, when we're talking about the state, we've got the entire civil code of Israel. Okay. Um, Romans 13. Romans 13. Uh, you've also got the... Um, the description of the interaction of the patriarchs with various authorities. Right. Right. There's no leveling between Abram and Pharaoh. Right. 
Abram and Pharaoh are not the same man. Right. They do not possess the same office. And Abraham shows respect to Pharaoh yep. as, yep. as a powerful man, at least. Abraham makes a treaty with uh, Abimelech. Okay. Now, you don't make a treaty uh, if there's not an authority structure with whom to negotiate. Okay. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's certainly that implication. You've got the, the law of the king in Deuteronomy. When you have a king, he's not to be like those kings. Right. So there are kings. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you have Jesus institute elders in the church, and yep. the the meaning of the New Testament word is an overseer in the church. Mm -hmm. Somebody who oversees is yep. somebody who is over. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the fact that in Revelation, John describes the kings of the earth bringing their glory into the city of God. Okay. Yep. So even in the new, in the new creation in the city of God, there is authorities, human authorities. They're bringing their glory into the city. They're not uh, abolishing. That, that, that authority isn't wiped. It's not leveled. It's brought in as itself. Okay. So, and that, I think, is an important point. Yeah. Is that in the, in the city of God, human institutions and authorities aren't leveled. They're brought in as they, as they are themselves, as they ought to be. Okay. Into the church. Okay. Now... Uh, let's, uh, let's consider uh, how Christ has come into the world. Uh, he has lived, suffered, died, risen again, exalted to the right hand of the Father, uh, poured out his spirit. Uh, we understand authority. He claims all authority, yep. right? Yeah. Right, Matthew uh, Matthew twenty eight. Jesus claims all authority in heaven and on earth, and so we understand from there that he is the dispenser mm. of authority. And not only is he the dispenser of authority, but he's the one who shows us how authority yeah. ought to be used, and mm -hmm. and and he's, he's how authority is generated. He's the model. Yep. So when okay. you, when you try and level all that through an egalitarian impulse. You're, you're, you're slighting Christ himself, in a sense. Okay. Because authority is, is a part of his, like, that's, that's, part of, that's his thing. Okay. Now, that's not quite where I'm trying to go. I want, I want to present to you uh, what, uh, what someone who, who wants to take, wants to make egalitarianism the rule uh, in, in life, uh, and they go to their Bible, and they read, and they get into Galatians chapter 3, and th they read yeah. this from Paul. Yeah. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Oh. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Yes, Agreed. The wrong mindset <laughs> will get on that passage and yes. they'll say, see, yep. there's not supposed to be any distinctions. What do you what do you mean calling yourself an elder? Well, I would have to point out the back half of what you just read there. Okay. In Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> according to the promise. Mm -hmm. We're talking about God's promise of uh of Jesus. Right. We're talking about the Messiah. We're not talking about the leveling of authority. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about standing in Christ. Yeah. 
before God. Yeah, that a rich man doesn't have more access to Christ, right? That's, okay, that's so, how I would... so you don't you don't have better access to yeah. Jesus if you're a Jew than you do if you're a Greek. Exactly. You don't have better access to Jesus if you're a free man or a, or a, a slave. slave. Yeah. You don't have better access to God if you're a man or mm. a woman. Yeah, and that's what that passage is actually on about. Yes. Big yeah. time. Like that, and that's Paul's argument in the whole book. Exactly. Right? So when these people grab that passage, they're being exegetically unfaithful. Yeah. So, so it, like, if we could take an example of this, let's say mm. Paul is working with a congregation that has 80 Jews and 10 Greeks in it. Yeah. He's not going to say, well, we need to make one of these Greek men elders just because we need equality in the church. Right. Uh, <laughs> Affirmative even, action. Even though, this, even, though this, even though this Greek man is not qualified to be an elder. <laughs> yeah. Um, Affirmative and, action in the early church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. DEI policies in the early church. <laughs> Diversity and inclusion. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I, I could see that being attempted. But, but that being said, mm-hmm. like... Timothy was not, um, I think Paul took Timothy and circumcised him eventually. Yep. And, uh, Titus, Titus was Greek. So there, there were yep. men rising up in the church who were Greeks, yeah, but, from they both were, camps. but they were qualified men according to biblical principles. Yeah, exactly. According to biblical principles. That's another yep. thing. Not according to, uh, you know, <laughs> diversity, <laughs> DEI diversity policies, policies. <laughs> <laughs> diversity policies. Oh man. You know, the, the funny thing about diversity policies is when you read them, they're all the same. They're not very diverse, are they? No. Diverse. <laughs> I should like some diverse policies, please. So, um, speaking of Timothy, right, uh, one, of the, one of the other passages that I think uh, the egalitarians really hate, well, I know that they hate it, is uh, 1 Timothy 2, okay. where, where Paul's talking about church order, mm. right? He's talking about church order. Um, he starts off talking about, uh, about uh, praying, so, well, okay, before that, he, he says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. So he's, uh, the trust in, entrusted to Timothy is, is the teaching of the doctrine and the establishing of these churches that, uh, that Timothy's being sent to. Okay. And then in chapter 2, he, the first point that he really wants to get uh, Timothy to promote is, in the churches is that all men everywhere pray okay. constantly, right? Uh, with interest... Uh, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and those in high positions, right? So already there's no egalitarianism in Paul. So he's talking about kings and and, and men in high positions, uh, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. He he doesn't say that we should obliterate Mm -hmm. their position. Right. uh, Because that's, it's... uh, It's wicked or something. It's wicked because there's a man over another man. Yeah. No, he, he, he absolutely doesn't do that. He says, pray for those fellows, uh, and that it is good and pleasing in the sight of God to do that, who desires all people to be saved. So there's, there's that equality, all right. people to be saved, uh, which is a good thing. Um, and then he, he goes on to talk about there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all. Um, and then he, he continues on, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, that women should adorn themselves with respectable apparel in modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold pearls, costly attire. But it's with, it's well, interesting that in the difference of the instruction, yeah. Paul assumes that men and women have different sins. Yeah, he does. He assumes that men are going to be quarreling and not praying, and he assumes <laughs> that women are going to get gussied up. And vain. And vain. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Paul. <laughs> uh, I, 
<laughs> now I'm angry and quarreling. So, uh, and then he, and this is what really, really takes these uh, egalitarians and just th- throws them for a poor loop. Um, let women learn quietly. This is verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now, <clears throat> the next verse is very interesting. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Paul is arguing from the from creation. creation. So the creation order, the natural world that God made, has a certain authority. Mm-hmm. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So he's now arguing from what happened, what, mm-hmm. what's recorded for us in sacred history. Mm-hmm. So he's arguing from events that that event means something right. regarding the roles of men and women in the church. Uh, and then he says, and this, this is a very hard passage for many people to understand, uh, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So the, um, the apostle here is arguing from creation order and nature as if they have authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because, like you said earlier, Jamie, this is a creation, a creature made by God under his authority. Right. By virtue of that fact. Right. So I find that very interesting that Paul's willing to make that argument, but an egalitarian can't. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, and I think even in non-egalitarian sectors of the church, mm-hmm. I think people have had a hard time interpreting some of these uh, mm-hmm. some of these verses, like verses uh, thirteen to fifteen, for yeah. for quite some time now. Yeah, it's it's, and I think a lot of it, like I've 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 seen guys uh, refer to this. I, I had this was funny. I was in Bible school. I took two years of Bible school. Um, and we had a class. It was a really good class. One of the local uh, ministers came in and taught First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. Right. It was really a, an excellent class. He went verse by verse, phrase by phrase. He came to this point, read that passage, and now normally what he would do is he would read a verse and then comment on it. Right. And, and we'd be sitting there taking notes and argue, asking questions. He gets to this and he's, <laughs> he looked up at the class and he looked around and he said, and I have no idea what the Apostle Paul meant and then carried on to chapter 3. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> man. I was like, I can read it. I know what that says. You, you didn't like it. So the one girl that was in the class, she just, she got piping mad. She was like, what does it mean? And he's like, I don't know, and carried right on. <laughs> and she never got an answer. We, we got to the back end of the book of Titus, and she still hadn't got an answer. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, and that right there, that's just chickening out. That's I mean, just chickening out. Come on. <laughs> it means what it says. But, um, yeah, it, um, it does seem to me, though, that in, 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 in our modern churches, we're more afraid uh, than we ought to be of all the wrong things. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to be sensitive to the woman in the congregation, right? Well, yeah. You don't want them to feel like they're any less by reading a passage like that. But they're not less. I know. And then this is the thing, is that, um, like, uh, look at nature. Paul appeals to nature here. Let's look at nature. So how many babies can I carry in my womb? Like, zero. I don't have a womb. I'm a man. Like, wrong plumbing, right? Nature creation, the way that God made me, tells me this story. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that. Like, my wife is very nurturing. I take my boys, I pin them down to the ground, and I give them a knuckle sandwich right in the chest, right? And they think it's funny. Mm-hmm. But that's not nurturing. Like, I'm, I'm roughhousing with these boys. 
um, if, uh, you know, if, if they're sinning, I, I stand them up and I say, hey, you need to stop this, go and apologize. Right, we had an incident last night where one kid hit another kid with a stick right in the head. <laughs> Accidental, <laughs> right? So of I'm course. like, okay, you need to be, your, your problem was you weren't t- taking care, paying, you weren't paying attention. It's not that you were malicious, you just weren't paying attention. So it's a very direct, you know, but with my wife, she'd be like, hey, come here a minute. Let's, let's talk about this. And I'm very direct, right? So she's got this, this womanly matriarchal nurture thing, nurture thing going on. I don't mm-hmm. have that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm out here busting my knuckles trying to make money, you know, <laughs> doing what I do. Uh, I, I, I need my yeah. wife to do nurture. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, men, men and women don't just have different plumbing. They also have like, they're wired differently Very. emotionally. And yeah. and yeah. Like if you insult me in private, I'll thank you. If you insult me in public, I'll punch you, right? Like men, men <laughs> women, it's the other way around. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like when you think about it. That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, we're, yeah, we are wired differently. Like God made us different. Yeah. Like we're, we're supposed to be doing different things. Yeah. And everything about that, like I'm physically stronger than my wife. I should be lifting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That, 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 that's central to my nature. That should be central to my calling. Like physical things should be a thing I do more of. Yeah. Right? Or relative to her, right? Well, that's why I, I would argue that it goes against the creation order for a woman to become a pastor. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not biblical. It's not just, just not creational. Yeah. But I would also argue the same for women who entered the military, yeah. women who become police officers. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I yeah. think, and I, there's also a case to be made out of the law for that. Yeah. About the law about uh, a woman wearing the, a man's the apparel weird, for the war. The gear of a warrior. Yeah. The gear yeah. of a warrior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not yeah. supposed to, it's an abomination. Like that, and that's well, and it's interesting. I I heard this. I think it was my wife told me this recently. Apparently, the number of police policemen shooting um, the criminal yeah goes up when women are in the police force mm-hmm. because women are much quicker to use lethal force because they know that they can't use their their their, their regular body strength yeah mm-hmm. and so they shoot quicker. Yeah, uh, we had we had an incident uh, here in Grand Prairie probably about 10 years ago, I remember, uh, where an RCMP officer showed up to a bar and she weighed about 135 pounds, mm-hmm. probably with the kit. Mm-hmm. And it was a bar fight. And she went in there to clear it. She handcuffed a guy. He, he let her handcuff him. They get out to the, the car with his hands tied behind his back. He curb stomped her and knocked her unconscious. And it wasn't until her backup showed up that she was you know, prevented from further injury. Right, like this guy had his hands cuffed behind his back and he did mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Right, like that just, that should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, like, <laughs> it should. It should. We're not all Bulgarian weightlifters in the 80s, okay? Right. Yeah. And they had chemical help. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, you should not be sending in a 130-pound woman to handcuff a 250-pound guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's stupid. Hollywood yeah. notwithstanding. Hollywood notwithstanding, yeah. And this, this guy was probably, you know, an oil field worker. Used to hard work and heavy labor, and he's mm-hmm. drunk out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what are you doing? And you're basically tempting the guy to assault a police officer. Then. Yeah, yeah. He ran off. I mean, they caught if him. He's but drunk. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't run in a straight line. Apparently, he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, zigzag through town. Well, he you know, through the parking lot. He uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, so there, there's a situation where an ideology put that woman where she is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and threatened her life. And it threatened her life by doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but she bought that ideology. She did. Yep. She bought that ideology hook, line, and sinker so and regards it as her right yeah. to, uh, to put herself in harm's way. Yeah. So then where did she, like, where, where's this idea? being allowed to fester, right? It's in the well, home and in the church. Yes, and it's in the school, and it's yeah. in the higher education, and, and it's in... Uh, entertainment. It's in entertainment, and it's everywhere. That that idea mm-hmm. is everywhere. Yeah. Well, and I think it all starts off with a woman um, seeking to be a career woman. So obviously it's good for a woman to get education, yep. to be prepared to provide for her family if her husband dies. Like I yep. think there's there's a good case for that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but when a woman puts off marriage and puts off having children because she has a career, I think that's, that's the starting point because mm-hmm. um, the most fulfilling, the most fulfilling thing for a woman is to have children and to rule a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. that's really something that God just made fitted her for. Yeah, yeah, and he set her in her all, psyche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he put that that vision of glory in her soul. Yeah, um, I, I do. I I have a question for for career women. Like, would you rather have one husband and then this this rule over the home and this dominion? This, this area of, of eternal import, the raising of children, or would you rather work for multiple bosses and get nothing but money? Like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. A little bit of ca- taxable cash? Or, or and, and some stranger that you have to obey, or your husband, for the sake of your children? Like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. a great, <laughs> like, our, our whole culture has been trained... Mm-hmm. To not think in that category, yeah, they, they've been they've been trained in an ideology mm-hmm. uh, that says you can do whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. you can be whoever you want to be. Disney's been promoting right. that from day one. Yeah, follow your heart. Uh, follow your heart. <laughs> <laughs> but if your if your heart is as the Bible says it is, mm-hmm. then it's desperately wicked. And who can understand it if you're going <laughs> to follow that? That's a bad thing. Yeah, and, and it leads you, it leads you into uh, situations like like this. that that lady cop. Yeah, foolish situations. You know, she should not be subjected to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, but uh, her ideology did it to her. That's true. Uh, well, there's a couple of uh, points in the law that I think are actually kind of interestingly helpful. Okay. Like the one about moving the boundary marker that your father's put out. Okay. Do not move the boundary marker. There, back in the way back, we didn't have an egalitarianism problem. Mm-hmm. Like in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. We didn't have that problem. We had other mm-hmm. problems, granted. But uh, we've moved the cultural boundary markers that our fathers had. Mm-hmm. That In this case, we're more biblical. And that's something that the church needs to repent of. Be like, hey, we seriously have dropped the ball on this. Right. We need to go back to the old ways. Right. Yeah. In, in, in new, like, when did that really start to rise hmm. in the West? In the West, I tend to think, just, to, just from what I've read, probably 
it, it, it all came up with feminism, the temperance movement, and the Unitarianism of the okay. 1800s. That's where I tend to locate most of that in the West. Okay. Okay. So uh, the temperance movement, talk about that. Uh, alcohol was the original sin. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> right. And we've got uh, G.K. Chesterton had some interesting things to say about temperance ladies. He did not like them at all. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said that they were the most cruel of people. Yes. <laughs> um, there was a legitimate problem with drunkenness. Right. Yeah. Right? There yeah. was. Um, and that should have been repented of. And many men did, right? Many men were brought to the Lord through the, uh, through the ministry of a variety of ministers and churches and, and organizations to repent of alcoholism. But these ladies went out and tried to ban it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And succeeded in certain places. Uh, but uh, the temperance movement came up at the same time as the radical feminists. The early radical feminists were really atrocious people. Mm. Um, the, and that also... <laughs> ties in historically with uh, folks like Margaret Sanger, Sanger. and yeah. all the um, the other people that were really in favor of murdering yeah. everybody with a mental illness, yeah. anybody that was of an undesirable race, uh, of a lower socioeconomic status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they were going to level society by um, by murdering everybody that didn't fit the definition of ideal. Yes. <laughs> Which, again, is a, a rebellion against God's created order mm -hmm. and that whole beginning of the because would you say that the um the first legalization of abortion was it connected with that movement yeah it was so um, that woman yeah, can be liberated from the effects of having sex yeah yes well and that whole thing was actually more for the sake of men wanting to fornicate yeah yeah yeah, yeah men, men really do drive culture yes we do we even, really do drive culture even when we take our hands off the wheel we're still driving culture and that yeah. like, this is something i've i've actually pointed out uh like i work in the oil patch right mm -hmm. so there's a lot of unbelievers and tinder's a big thing yeah right yeah. so it's it's a hookup app right right so um you meet people on tinder and then you go and you have you know you know illicit sex right that's what it is mm. um there's I've pointed this out to some of my coworkers that are involved in this. Is like, man, there's a lot of dudes on Tinder and very few women. Mm. Like everybody's chasing a very small number of women. Mm -hmm. This is why STDs are just on yeah. fire through yeah. this 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 community of Tinder of people. Yeah, this Tinder thing. So the um, the whole idea wasn't liberating women from anything. It, the whole idea was liberating men. Yeah. From constraint. Right. And that's, Tinder is the epitome yes. or the actualization of feminism. Yeah. Yeah. You think back to, uh, think back to the, uh, the Roe versus Wade thing mm. that happened in the States that, right. that ran for yeah. 50 years before that law was actually struck down, which Thanks be God. to God, it was. <laughs> uh, but you think about yeah, think about what uh, what that decision in the states mm. said. It said that a that an abortion was a discussion between a woman and her doctor. Yeah. Okay. Remember that. Uh huh. That's Where where's the man in this? He's not there. He is he is not part of the equation. Yep. 
Okay. And that's Was that a woman's idea or was that a man's idea? That was a man's idea. You bet that was a man's idea. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the nine Supreme Court justices in the States at that time, they were all men. Oh, yes. All of them were. Yeah, the opinion was the, <laughs> the opinion was written by men. Hundred yes, percent was, was. Yeah. because because it frees like it was the it was the enshrinement mm-hmm. of the deadbeat dad. Yes, and at the same time as that happens, mm-hmm. like so that was seventy three, right? Yeah, nineteen seventy three. When did the um, in in America again? America is easy to to talk about because right. it's everything's bigger there. Yeah. Uh, they had the. We can uh, see their sins better than we can see ours. Yeah, and we we, we have the same <laughs> sins. Our yeah. sins are just on a slightly different timeline, and they're yeah. the same thing, uh, same result, same effect. But um, they had the uh, uh, what was it? It came out of the civil rights movement, but it was uh, it, it it I forget what the bill was called or a series of bills. It came in under Johnson, where the uh, basically what it boils down to at its root is that. Uh, the government started paying black women not to have husbands. Yes. Right? And so all of a sudden you have the implosion of the yeah. of the black families in America. Yeah. Like complete implosion. Yeah. And you wonder why you have so much social um, trouble with that segment of their population. Yes. Uh, it was very, very much government-sponsored. Yeah. The, uh, the black families prior... To yeah. that were really on the rise. They were. They were strong. They were strong. Yeah. They were good. Yep. The dad was in the home. Dad was there. Yep. Uh, and providing. Yeah. You know, wisdom and and material goods like food and yep. shelter, but wisdom and and that the manly presence that is required. Yeah. Yeah. But now, it's a shipwreck. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people grow up with fathers who just ran off mm-hmm. yeah I, right i and this, they've been in this specific culture yeah yeah and they've been uh they've been given every permission to mm-hmm. do so by roe versus wade yep. yeah because they're they're just not responsible yeah that's not a discussion for, for me that's yeah. for a, a woman and the doctor yeah i'm not the doctor yeah i'm not the woman nope. right yeah so I'm not the problem here. Yeah, it's not. Well, yeah. Hands off. Not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. Yeah, and that, that's exactly uh, that. That's exactly the kind of thing that you get from big lies like egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, make no mistake, egalitarianism like feminism is is driven by men. Yes. Because now I don't have hands off. I don't have to. Not my problem. Mm-hmm. I, I can be like Adam, my first father, Adam. Yeah. You know, I'll just sit back and watch Eve. Do whatever she does. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam the scientist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if uh, the white lab coat, oh yeah, and, yeah. and, and the clipboard. <laughs> and as a man, like you can be a husband, <laughs> you can you can be a pastor. Mm-hmm. As a man, you are not allowed to warn the woman about her her errant ways. Right. You you have to step back. That's that's the that, rule of our culture. Yeah. You have to. Oh, I I don't know. You know, hmm, I don't know. I can't say. So our culture demands a passive man. Yeah, and passive men make uh, shipwrecks of culture. Yeah, and shipwrecks of the church. Yeah, and shipwrecks of the home. Like it just so. So you see it with actually, with, and it and extends into other parts of society too. I do think that the home is is central. This is why we yeah. kind of have to talk about the home so much. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But I think we've seen that in the last years, um, especially with godly men who are in politics in Canada, mm-hmm. is that they they acted as very passive men. Yep. They just put their hands back and they said, let's yeah. Yeah, see where things go. Yeah, there was a lot of passivity. A yeah. lot of that. Um, so. And, and when, you, when you stick your head up, it's like the, uh, the old whack-a-mole game at the county fair. Mm-hmm. You stick your head up and you wham, there you go. Mm-hmm. Get in line. Well, the thing is, you got to learn, and this, is, and this is where I think, I think, I think, we, think we, could, we could maybe move into some of the solution, lines of solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, one yeah. of them, I think, um, well, <laughs> once you've actually read your Bibles and decided, you know, I'm going to obey this, mm-hmm. you need to be prepared to follow through, to obey it, mm-hmm. which is going to be hard because our culture is pushing against that hard. Yeah. So you have to be prepared to suffer. Yeah. And for people to think you're a weirdo. Yeah. Or uh, be slandered for being a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hate women. Well, or a child abuser for spanking your children. Yeah. You have to be prepared for that slander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. If, if, if <laughs> You hate women. Why do I hate women? Because you treat them so well. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is not adding up. <laughs> uh, um, but in, like even in the church, uh, with uh, with pastors and elders, when a uh, when, when especially dealing with like counseling, mm-hmm. a, a husband and wife come to you having problems, right? It's often very easy to talk with the man about the problems that he's committing, right. the sins he's bringing to the table, and, and, okay, you now need to repent. Now, when you talk to a, his wife, mm-hmm. this is much, uh, much more difficult because of this egalitarian uh, impulse. Okay. So we have to go there anyway. Okay. So the egalitarian impulse, I like, I like that... Uh, mm-hmm. that way of thinking of it, uh, it is an impulse mm-hmm. apart from Christ. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You think about Eve in the garden. Yes. Uh, her impulse was to follow the serpent's counsel. Yeah. Uh, but she she could have talked to Adam. Yep, she could have. First. No. She could have talk to God first. She, there, were, yeah. there were two lines of authority she yeah. could have appealed to. She had two solutions to one problem. But she didn't <laughs> She didn't do either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, uh, so, so it, it's this, it, it's a principle. Yes. It's a, it's a impulse mm-hmm. that she was, uh, that she was following that, uh, there's all kinds of havoc created because of this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, where, where she's just f- she's doing what seems sensible to her, and not considering the lines of authority that God created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things with our like with raising our daughters, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that that a man can do is help his daughters to. Understand the the true glory of biblical womanhood mm-hmm. and and biblical femininity, and to pursue it. Yeah, right. So we're, we're we are supposed to pursue glory, God's glory, right? Um, but we're, according to kind, uh, each we we read in Genesis one that each tree 
or seed After according, its to, kind. according mm-hmm. to its kind. Right, so an apple tree produces an apple, the seed produces an apple tree. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is glorious. God loves apples. Mm-hmm. They keep coming up every year. Mm-hmm. Right, that's how we know he loves them. <laughs> they keep coming back. If he hated them, he would probably done you know, pears. I don't know. But um, the, he did that too. He did that too. Yeah. <laughs> so we should we should uh, we should look very uh, carefully to instruct our daughters to pursue the the biblical glory of of womanhood and femininity, right. according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our sons pursue the glory of manhood, according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. That right there is 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 moving to the next generation and towards the solutions. And I and I think there's a way for a father and a husband to <clears throat> adorn the proper mm-hmm. worldview with beauty. Yeah. By ensuring that uh, he is confessing his sins of oppressiveness yep. and by exalting and raising up his wife in the gates of the city. Yep. And so if his daughters see him treating his wife really well, yes. they'll be like, hey, this is an amazing thing. And that, and then they look at that and they're like, that's how a woman should be treated. Mm-hmm. Not, not like she is out in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then you're like, well, I, if I get treated well by my husband who loves God, and I don't get treated well by my boss and manager and supervisor, well, where am I going here? <laughs> right? Like, um, yeah. I, yeah, the uh, the behavior of a man towards his wife is a powerful sermon. Yeah. It is a powerful sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not neglect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. God didn't call me to be a tyrant in my home. Nope. Uh, except for the sake of my wife. Like he did call you to be a ruler in your home. Yes, a ruler, but not not a um, yeah, not not Joseph Stalin. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Because Jesus did teach us how to rule. He did. Right? Yeah. He, he taught us what kings do. Yes. And you're you're a king in your house. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the position that you're in. And a king, what does a king do? Because of what Jesus has done, a king mm-hmm. lays down his life for his people. That's what a king does. Yep. That, yeah. That's really uh, kingly authority. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah, this is why I get up every morning to go to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, lying in bed, lounging around, like, you know, like a door on its hinges mm-hmm. you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, the, on the bed. Yeah, I, I could do that physically, uh, but that would be disastrous for my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, go to work. Sacrifice my back. <laughs> My actual back hurts right now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does, <laughs> that, but that's good. Um, there's also the um, Jesus, he redemptively pursues his church, right? So I think that is really interesting too because if your wife is struggling with, let's say, some sin, right? Maybe she's, you know, somebody has insulted her or something, so she's getting bitter, so we can talk this through, and then I can just point her, you know, gently, not like throwing the Bible at her across mm-hmm. the room, but gently point her back to what God says about bitterness. Right. Now you need to go and confess, you know, repent, be delivered from this sin. That's another thing a man can do for his wife, mm-hmm. uh, where you can guide. And Jesus is also the good shepherd. Right. Right. A shepherd... Occasionally chases sheep, but usually doesn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, 
Sometimes they get stuck in fences. But uh, you're, the, the description of the shepherd in the scriptures, he's, he's guarding the gate uh, in front of the enclosure. Mm-hmm. Right? He's monitoring what comes in right. and how it comes in. It's the, uh, the thief that comes through the window or over the wall. Right? So you monitor and maintain the gates of your home. Right. You know, one of the ways that I discovered when my wife and I were first married how to do that was with marriage books. Right, we're first married. We don't know anything about marriage, really. Right. Uh, so, you, the, so you read a bunch of books. You read a bunch of books, right? Yeah. That's a very reformed thing to do, by the way. If you have a problem, <laughs> you solve it by reading books. Or you go to a conference. Yeah, or you go to a conference. Yeah, that, that helps too. <laughs> and usually that fixes your marriage right away. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But one, one of the ways... Yeah, we're, that's exactly what I'm talking about right there. So one of the things that, uh, that we experienced was some of the marriage books we read were... Um, Less than helpful, like harmful, yeah. like no good, right. trash, hot yeah. trash. But we'd only been married for a few months. Uh, so we, it, it took some time to parse it out. And, you know, and so my wife was reading these books. I was reading these books. We're both reading the Bible, right? We're both uh, trying to look at these books in light of the Bible. And we're just seeing it doesn't, it doesn't do. Like this author, and, and he's not teaching us from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So I had to say, it was my job to say, that's trash. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? Lesson learned, move on. Book burning. Yeah, basically. I, I think we sold it to somebody. <laughs> 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 but uh, Profiting off someone else's misfortune. Yeah. I, I, maybe I should have been more like the, um, yeah, maybe I should have been more like the, uh, the guys that brought all their witchcraft books to the apostles and burned them in the street. But um, like that's, that's, that's an example uh, from my own uh, history that I think of, you know, a good shepherd guarding the gate of the enclosure. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of marriage books, modern marriage books, assume egalitarianism, even if they're not fully egalitarian. Right. Yeah. Right. I've seen it. The, the egalitarian idea is really, really deep mm-hmm. in our culture. Uh, in, our, in our churches, it's really deep. You know, there's, there's a great, well, there, there's not even a great deal of discussion on, yeah, it's on how you discipline your children. There's just mm-hmm. abject horror to discover that you spank your kids. Yeah. Right? Well, they well, think that ought to be a criminal oh. thing. I, I Even was, though the proverb says, it you know, says that it, if, yeah. You, yeah. if you beat your child, he's not going to die, but you will deliver his soul from hell. Yeah, I've, I've actually read that, that verse to one of my kids once. Um, mm-hmm. I got spanked as a kid. Yeah. yeah. And I remember those spankings, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't suffer harm from getting smacked on the backside. Mm-hmm. Like God, this is another thing about creation order. He put a lot of padding down there. <laughs> right? Natural padding. Like it's more about the, the shame of the thing, Yeah, but it is definitely correction, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's, there's a, there's a little sting of pain, but there's a correction. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I look back on that um, and I'm grateful for it Yeah, because sin is shameful. Yeah. I sinned. And then was disciplined and felt ashamed. felt ashamed. And then I was restored to fellowship with my father. Yeah. Yes. You were taught repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. That, that, that is something that is magnificent yeah. about that particular uh, form mm-hmm. of discipline. Yeah. Is that it doesn't last long. Exactly. It's uh, sharp. It, it, and it's done. sharp. It, uh, 
it creates the right mm. atmosphere. Yep. We will and never And it's done. Yeah. And everybody's restored to fellowship. Everybody's exactly. restored to fellowship. It can be it can be an egregious sin by a little boy yep. to beat up his sister like he did. Yep. And and he gets a spanking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's all weepy and crying. Uh and he, he has to go say sorry to his sister, and so he does. But then fellowship is restored. Five minutes later, they're they're fine. And in the meantime, you've taught your son how to treat a girl well, yep. and you have a much better society than an egalitarian society. And, <laughs> and here's the other point of that discipline, too, is your daughter saw that. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, there is justice in this world. I should yeah. be protected from bullies. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, you're, you're, <laughs> that's, and that's another thing, too, is that you're... Your women have security in that home mm-hmm. because daddy dispenses justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like Jordan Peterson says, your, your wife and your daughters need to recognize that you're a little dangerous. Yep, they do. And, and it's, they need to see that you're ready to get dangerous if, 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 yep. if anything bad happens. And, and you're dangerous for their sakes. For their sakes. Yeah. That's and, right, yes. And that's one yeah. thing, too, uh, that we see in, in Jesus' rule over the church. Mm-hmm. He gets real dangerous in defense of the church. Have a look at what, what he's doing in Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, there's the martyrs under the altar, and he's like, give it a minute. Yeah. How long? Yeah. How long, oh, Lord? Yeah. Daddy's working on this, and then he does. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A husband who does not have that ability to get dangerous is not a good man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Peterson also said that uh, he said something <clears throat> about, uh, I hate to quote Peterson two times in a row here, but uh, he said something about uh, if you think, you know, a hard man is you know, capable of bad things. Just wait till you see what a weak man can do. Right? Or something to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I remember That's a, a particular episode in my house where uh, I, I refer back to it as the spanking that, uh, the spanking that was heard around the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it happened when, when my eldest son was seven, mm. his seventh birthday. <clears throat> he was, uh, uh, we'd been instructing him uh, because he'd been getting red-eyed greedy about mm. what he, all the loot he was expecting when he was, uh, when right. his birthday came. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and we were telling him, you know, Judah, you need to be thankful. Yep. You need to, and you, and you need to be out loud about it. When someone gives you a gift, you, you say, you go to that person, you say, thank you for this. Yes. Okay. Well, the morning dawned, and and the part of the party began, and and uh, seven year old Judah's eyes were just red with desire, and <laughs> he's he's tearing open a he tears open this one one gift, and he doesn't say thank you to the to the oh, giver of the gift, right, Judah? Oh, 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 yeah, and he goes, and he says thanks, and I. Uh, <laughs> then he tears open another gift, and he doesn't say thanks. <laughs> and I, I frog marched him down to the bedroom yeah. for remedial discipline. Yep. Uh, for this. Yep. I tell you, my he, he had five younger siblings. Yep. Five of them, <laughs> all watching. All of them watching. There was thankfulness in my house mm-hmm. for years. Yep. Because of that. After that. <laughs> From younger kids. Yes. 
They they were all thankful and ready to be thankful. Yes, <laughs> I know. Well, it was just magnificent. Well, one 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 act of one act of disciplining, and, and that created peace in my house for years. Well, we uh, we had a family get together the other day, and um, because it's it's it was our family uh, Christmas get together, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple days after Christmas, um, and uh, we'd bought all our our. Like my wife had gone and found these these uh, they're like scoops for making snowballs. They're plastic. They're they're a great gift to give kids, right? right. They go. They make a perfectly round little snowball, and you can, you know, snowball. But all the snow melted. Which anyway. Mm-hmm. So we'd gotten all these scoops for all the nephews and nieces, mm. right? So, <laughs> so one thing I was watching this, and I was I was very pleased because I could see the effect of that type of a discipline, right? Right. All my nephews and nieces walk up to my wife in particular because she'd pick them out to say thank you. Right. Right. One at a time, right? I mean, they were just coming and going. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you for the gift. You're welcome. Come Then the next one, thank you. Like, it was just constant. I'm like, that's a well, well well-ordered home. Good job. job." (laughs) I'm 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 sitting there very happy, right? Just watching this. Um, And they weren't, it wasn't like they were, it wasn't like mom was sitting over in the corner telling her kids, you go say thank you, go say thank you. Right. They were just... This is what we do. Yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was marvelous, and and uh, what, the mother in in question was unquestionably watching Judah get his um right <laughs> his justice <laughs> yes. all those years ago. All those yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. and her children are now <laughs> saying thank you with uh, with genuine thankfulness. Yes, and it's yeah. it's still bearing good fruit. It is. Yeah, a whole generation later. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No. So the um, yeah the pursuit of, of God's design for men and women uh, is a thing that we want to uh, we want to promote right and yeah. and the yes. pursuit and of glory yes and then ultimately good rule in society yep. yes and, and so we really do need to guard ourselves against leveling mm-hmm. leveling ideas mm-hmm. we need to guard ourselves against these God does not promote leveling ideas. Uh, there are certain ways, of course, we talked about Galatians 3.28, uh, yeah. about our standing before Christ, but that's not, that doesn't have to do with all the other areas in which God has said, okay, well, here, Dad, you have authority in yeah. this area, or here, uh, here, Pastor, you have authority in this area. Uh Guard your heart against mm, yes. against uh, the notion of leveling that distinction out. Do not make flat what God has not made flat. Yes. Right? Amen. Okay, so anyways, that, that's something that we would promote to you. Uh, we, want, uh, we want to promote a well-ordered, society. We want to promote a well-ordered church, a well-ordered family, a well-ordered person. All of these things um, guard your heart against the egalitarian idea of leveling things out. Uh, It really is a big lie. It's deep and it's long and it's everywhere in culture. I do... uh, I do suggest to you that you guard your heart against such things. Mm-hmm. Rather, rather, take your cues from the word of God. Mm-hmm. 
learn the authority structures that God sets up because he does display them over and over in the scriptures. Read the Bible. Soak in it. Soak in it. Uh, Love that word. Get involved in church. Be involved in church. Get uh, Dig in. If you don't have a church and you live somewhere near us, Come and talk to us. Yeah, come by. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to see you at Christ Covenant Church. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> we present then to you here on the Chinook Podcast the big lie of egalitarianism. Yes. Uh, guard your hearts and rejoice in the Lord.